Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Hey, it's time for another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out or hsvinsideout.com with my good buddy, Mr. Randy Contrell. In Dallas, I'm here in Hot Springs Village. I am not by the lake because we keep getting, I am by the lake, but I can't show you the lake behind me because I keep getting washed out. So yeah, the lake, the lake trumps you. Uh, in every way, in every way. As, as Teresa Diane, my lovely wife says, you have a face for radio, Dennis. So, yeah, well, you know, me too. when you, when you drag me onto video, I'm like, okay, okay, Randy. Okay. Okay. No, but you're for the, for the audience, for the audio audience, you're going to have to check out the YouTube channel because he, this is, he looks, he looks perfectly human. Today. Well, yeah, very human. I think that's a good, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, Fatally yeah. human probably. All right. I've, hey, asked you, I've asked you to dive into a topic <clears throat> that I, I know you're eminently qualified for, because as a guy, as the outsider who hopes to one day be an insider, Lord willing, and we're working on it. Um, I've, I've, I had strong interest. I came last year during the pandemic and I know it was the 50th anniversary mm -hmm. of the place. And I began to look a little bit about the history of the place because I had no idea about the beginnings of the place. So that's what we hope to talk about today. And I reserve the right to have questions. Please, way. please. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. Um, in late 1969, uh, Mr. John A. Cooper, the first, who was a West Memphis attorney who by his own volition said his own admission said that he wasn't that great an attorney. And he knew he really wouldn't get to get rich making, uh, you know, being in the courtroom, but he thought that he could use some of his abilities in land title services and land stuff. And he had already by 69, <clears throat> you have to pardon me with my sinuses today, but he had already by 1969, he had already had uh, Cherokee village, uh, in Northwest Arkansas by Harris break and some areas there. And they built it across the County line, just like they did hot Springs village, you know, two different counties. They had some small lakes, um, but by Mr. Cooper's own admission, too, they made some significant mistakes. Uh, what they would do is, is they would they would perimeter, you know, they would take the entire land that was around that and say, okay, so this is the development inside that. Well, they had no gates, and that's the one thing of all the Cooper developments that delineates the village and the size of it. But they had no gates whatsoever, so you would buy a beautiful lot on one side of the street, and on the other side of the street, there would be a dead trailer with a dead car in the yard and four barking dogs. So uh, in one side, you had kind of a resort life. And on the other side of the street, literally the street behind it that bordered the building that didn't have any access, but you looked out the back door and there were mobile homes, dead mobile homes. And, and, you know, it just wasn't as attractive. And he realized he had to contain the environment more. He contacted the fine folks with Dirk Timber and Dirk's Timber, and they actually did a flyover of this area with state Senator Bud Canada at the time. Great, great guy. Great. A lot of vision. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, before we move another inch, that's one of the things that you have to respect. The place that I'm sitting and the first 16 miles did not know what a computer was. They didn't know what a fax machine was that didn't spend on a drum. OK, right. they did all this without that. All of this. Uh, I asked a lady one time at the uh, water treatment or the water uh, office, I said, who does who who designed all the roads out here? She said it was two guys. One was named Curvy and one was named Lefty. And I, ba -dum, ba -dum, 
Yeah. Anyway, good joke. But they are a lot of cur- there are a lot of curves, a lot of area. But they had actually they were interviewing the Dirks Timber Company, and the Dirks Timber Company owned land from. And I'm making this gesture back near Lonsdale, probably another fifteen uh, you know aerial miles to twenty miles to nearly sixty five miles inside of what Dirks called the IT, which was the Indian Territory slash Oklahoma <clears throat> before it was a state. And Dirks had millions of acres. Now, I'm referring to Don Dirks's book that, that talks about this, who's a great guy, wonderful. He actually came on the board when, the, as Mr. Cooper was driving down, Cooper and his associates were driving down today what is a, what was a logging road and is today, uh, uh, DeSoto. Uh, they had looked at all this land, and finally one of the guys said, what's wrong with right here? I mean, this looks okay. And one of them was like, yeah, well, I mean, just outside the gate where, where Cranford's now sits was the office for Dirk's timber company for a hundred miles, literally. And Dirk's timber had such wide ranging uh, assets. There's actually a little town in Arkansas called Dirk's. And the reason they called that, and I may have mentioned this before, they were actually cutting a railroad through there to bring out some, some uh, logs. And as they're cutting the railroad, they cut an embankment. As they cut the embankment, they noticed just a wall of gypsum. Anybody know what gypsum is, Randy? Yeah, a knowing grin. Yep. Yeah, sheetrock. At the time, if you're making if you're making lumber, a lot of times you're going to need sheetrock. And so they literally developed a sheetrock plant there. This was one of the largest growing and going and growing concerns in the village in the area by far and away, by far and away. And their offices were just outside what is now the main gate. Well, they took an option, <clears throat> an option to buy the first 14,000 acres of the 26,000 acres that there are. And you, you, I, I'm, I've tried to paint this picture a dozen times and I just don't know how successful I'm gonna be. This is where maybe the questions come in, Randy. Um, imagine up and down Highway 7, there's not a hibachi, there's not a Mexican restaurant, there's not a Walgreens, there's not a Cranford's. There's not a grocery store. There's not a Walmart. There is, however, at the very, very, very bottom of the hill, a place that's been there for 125 years, which is Mountain Valley Water. <clears throat> so this area was just, just unknown, literally unknown. As a matter of fact, and if I, we, we can do an entire episode on this, is you go just on north of the west entrance of the village, go up just as you would get up to Jesseville, pr- pretty much from there, about halfway into the village, <clears throat> is what's known as the dark corner. The last known still, moonshine still, was pulled out in 1998. Uh, They had submarine pots. They had, it was not uncommon if Capone or any of the guys got in trouble when they were in hot springs, they would come up to the dark corner and hang out there until, you know, things calmed down a little or settled down or they went back to Chicago or whatever. But they literally, they have huge submarine pots and they would bring it to the Hot Springs Depot and Mr. Capone would put it in his car and ship it back. His car would be on the on the, on the the uh, train and they would ship it all back together. Well, and called, that's the, the, dark, dark and called the dark corner because? It's the dark corner of Garland County. It's, it's right at the very, very top of Garland County. And I've made this note before because I've lived in some pretty rural places. The further you get from city governance and from the federal government and, you know, as soon as you get toward the bay, the 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 border of a state, things get kind of mm, yeah. yeah, iffy, you know. <laughs> and part of the story is, and and I love the story of the national park too, which is uh, the national for- park and forest, 
which is part of our story. One of the beauties here is that we overlook this national forest of 1.7 million acres that goes about 85 miles into uh, to Oklahoma. And anyway, I, I digress. But the Dirks set up a contract and they said, we're going to sell you this on contract because we're out here in the middle of nowhere and you're going to bring in thousands of people. Oh, this is going to be great. And, and you're going to give them a tour. Where are they going to stay? What are they going to eat? Where, where do you, literally questions as simple as where will you get your mail? Yeah. So, I mean, Reasonable they're questions. starting, yeah, they're starting from zero. I mean, zero. Anyway, so they sold the first 16,000 acres on contract to uh, Mr. Cooper with the, with the condition that when you cut down a tree on the lake, like behind me or uh, the golf course or make a road, we can buy that tree back from you. Oh, well, that's a great idea. Well, I mean, for Cooper, they didn't care. It didn't matter to Cooper how old the trees were at that time. Okay. Now we're talking, as you said, 50 years ago, right? So <clears throat> we're just starting that 50 year period. And if you look around, if you'd seen some of our other videos, a lot of the trees here are about 35 to 50 years. Well, that's how old the trees were when they bought it. And Cooper, when they had, they had, you know, clear cut it back in the twenties and they wanted all that timber to grow back. And they were really interested in recouping that loss and not losing all those growing years. So they did. So Cooper moved in and Mr. John A. Cooper is in the Arkansas business hall of fame for what Randy? I have no idea. <laughs> Mr. Cooper is in the Arkansas business hall of fame for inventing the three day, two night, 90 minute staycation. Yeah, yep. I would have never yep. guessed that. There you yep. go. Yep, yep. Well, and, and just to, to fill in the blank real quick. Anyway, so Mr. Cooper bought that first 16,000 acres, started this idea he had had that he started in, in uh, Horseshoe Bend or in, in Cherokee Village of giving a 90-minute a tour for a three-day, two-night vacation. It was never a 90-minute tour, and it was never quite three nights and two days either. But you know, you get the picture. You yeah, get yeah. the picture. Yeah, PT. Uh, and he he had brought a lot of people in from Memphis, a lot of people in from Springfield and uh, areas around to the area of Cherokee Village. And he thought he could do the same thing here. Well, that that's a great idea. And they're going to start building. And there was a building just as soon as you came in where the Krakus food truck has been. Uh, but there's building as soon as you came in on the left hand side, there was a large building there. And that was the POA and the Cooper building for decades. It was just recently torn down this last couple of years. Uh, but they would bring people in and give them on the tours and whatever. And Mr. Cooper actually bought, bought if you know where the Vapors is downtown, yeah. right beside that, there's the Velda Rose Hotel. And he bought the Velda Rose Hotel and motel. He would keep people up there. They would send a salesman down. He would ride up with them, tell them how great it was both ways. And if you didn't like it, you had still had to ride 30 minutes with him back down and whatever. Right. Uh, but they typically started opening up and they started selling lots. Now that's a great idea and it's a great day, but I mean, I'm sitting here looking at a 210 acre lake that did not exist. Right. So the salesmen were like, here's where the golf course will be. And here's where the lake will be. And we're building one building. And can we have your check for $5,000 to what, what mm -hmm. now, right at six months after they sold the land from Dirks to, to Cooper. Dirks was bought out by the Warehouser Corporation, which you may have heard of. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. Tiny. Yeah. <clears throat> they honored those agreements, but that other 12,000 acres on the other side, they clear cut it. 
and they replanted it in pines. So, so here's what you're going to see from the very west gate, and I'm doing it backwards for y'all, sorry, but from the very west gate to Balboa Road, where the Woodlands Auto Entertainment Center is, right there and where the, yeah. where the park is and all that, every from 1990 to 1970 is inside those windows. There is nothing beyond Lake uh, Balboa Road. <clears throat> there is nothing beyond that way that has not been built since 1990. Okay, well, that explains the, the pine trees on the east side then. It really does. And a lot of people, I mean, when we have a fall here, and one of our other guests had mentioned this, but the fall here is, in, is in, in fantastic because we have evergreens, we have cedars and pines, right. and then we have sweet gums that just go off in crazy colors. And then we have everything in between, hickories and elms and oaks and whatever. On the east end, you don't see that so much. It's more of a pine plantation. Yeah. Now, it didn't happen right at Balboa Road. It actually happened about halfway down Balboa Lake, where you get down to Ponce de Leon Golf Course right. and all those areas. Right. But in that time frame, uh, so from 1970, when they began, to 1990 at Balboa Road, they developed Balboa Golf Course down below that. And then they developed uh, Coronado Golf Course. At one time, I have an ashtray. I should go get it and show you. I have an ashtray because when you took the tour, they gave you an ashtray because everybody <laughs> needed an ashtray at that time. I don't right. know if you know, that was ubiquitous. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. how are you going to get cancer if you don't get an ashtray, yeah. right? Yeah. So <clears throat> they would give away these little ashtrays. The first one went roughly from the, the DeSoto Beach, which is a quarter mile that way, to the very edge of the village. And it was a little square plate, about like this. Yeah. Well, then they started out getting little short, squatty ones because they had so much stuff to put on them. Right. But they had the Allegra subdivision. They had the Valina, these hills back behind us that have magnificent views out over the, the Washita's. They started making little smaller plates, and down in the bottom, it would say proposed Ponce de Leon golf course, right on top of where the Balboa golf course is now. Okay. So they didn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a perfect plan to begin yeah. with. They, yeah. they worked it as they went, you know. Interesting. Now, the oldest, so the oldest existing house in there now would be 50 years old. <laughs> 50, 51 years, 50, 51 years. And, and exactly, and as you would imagine, as soon as you come in the gate, as soon as you come in the gate, you can turn right and yes. go up Bellina. Uh -huh. But literally, even before you get there, there's a little bitty road that goes down to the left, which now kind of goes down behind the hardware store because there wasn't a hardware store at that time. <clears throat> but it would go down that hill behind them. That's where the oldest homes are. And those homes are not on the golf course. The next street over to the east, just a little is the first one that was on the golf course, but they were building that golf course till 1972, 73. And I, I want to go back because I addressed this on some social media not too long ago. A lot of people ask about the POA. And I have, as a guy who's been here for 20 years or bought and sold here for 20 years and lived here for 10 years, I've seen the POA be a municipality, which they kind of are, but they're chartered as a corporation. So just a not-for-profit corporation. <clears throat> and it's very important to understand what really, how, how we got there. Okay. And that is, is that we have Cooper who is uh, at, at one point, they said they were spending a third of every dollar on marketing. Okay. They mm -hmm. sell a $10,000 lot. That lot cost them $3,300 to market. We drove you here. We flew you here. We gave you a 90 minute tour. We put you up at the Velda Rose. We, you know, gave you a coupon, whatever it took, you know, to get you here. <clears throat> well, and at that point, you're just, you're selling a dream. 
you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and he played that card before everybody. I mean, it's it's that's the classic timeshare deal now, right? Yeah, right, right. But at the time, that was new and novel. And 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 the closing line, the closing line that the salesmen were using, Randy, look, do, would you like to have a lot like this in Dallas? That wouldn't it be nice to have a lot like this on the lake in Dallas? What would this cost in Dallas? You know, right, right. Oh, quarter million dollars, Dennis, quarter yeah. million dollars. Well, <laughs> right. number one, you're not in Dallas. <laughs> right. Then it's not going to be a quarter million dollars. Yeah. So there. But uh, they gave a lot of tours. And actually, uh, the, the guy who des- did Designing Women, uh, Bledsoe Thomas, he and his yeah. wife. Right. Yeah. He actually, he, sh- had, he hired helicopters and flew over the place edited in these beautiful sweeping sounds and motions as you're going down the golf course as only you can in a, you know, $400 an hour helicopter at the time, right? Nobody had a drone. So as Mr. Cooper's bringing all these people in, he actually has the building at the far West end that was just there until a couple of years ago. And, you know, Joe Blow would, would be brave. And I do mean brave and build you know, at the time, a forty or fifty thousand dollar here on the lake that's supposed to be here on the golf course that's going to be here, beside the Faye Jones building that's going to be here, who was an architect uh, who studied under Frank Lloyd Wright. And so, as you come in the village, there's this big metal sculpture. Well, Faye Jones designed that in the new traditional style, or in the what they call it, uh, Art Deco. Yeah, just like the Coronado, just like the uh, DeSoto Club is, and that was it was a club. It was a a country club environment. That's where a lot of things really spun for a long time. But let's say that I'm having trouble getting my trash picked up. Pick up the phone. I go call Cooper and Cooper goes, you know, we're trying to sell lots and build a big development. We're not really in the mood to, to fix your trash problem. I got an idea. Let's turn that over to the POA. So one end of the building was literally the sales office and the other end <clears throat> was the POA. So when somebody came in and said, I want to buy a lot, the POA would say down that way. And when somebody came in and said, I got a problem, he would say down that way. So they literally were in the same building. And and one of the discussions is, and I've got to look it up, the POA was not formed at the exact time that the the village was started. It was formed a couple of years later and as things were. And I've mentioned this before, and I want to, for those that are listening inside the village and, and paying attention, one of the issues was even, heck, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the POA board came in and rubber stamped whatever Cooper said, because Cooper was spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to bring people in. In 2006, before they left, they were still developing Granada golf course and they hadn't finalized and released it yet, but they got to where it became a a working system that every time they got a major asset in place, they would hand that back to the, to the POA well, hey, look, we want this beautiful lake, but I've got a little algae in my lake. What do I do? That's a POA problem. And that continued really actually until 2010 when we had some other problems at Lake Granada and Lake Estrella where we had algae blooms. All of that to say, everything lived inside that one building for probably 20, 25 years. Now, as you came out to what we now would call, jokingly, the four-way stop, which is true, you would turn left and that's Colella and you would go north up Colella. Well, immediately to the left, there's a shell station. Immediately to the right, there was a couple of banks. And just to the left of that, there's a liquor store now. But there was that was where the post office and the grocery store was. And it was a, at best a 7-Eleven type environment. You know, they didn't have every kind of pistachio right. nuts you might ever want. They just had some groceries. Right. You know, 
and it was pretty much that way. If you realize that DeSoto Lake and golf course were built about the same time, but that would be in 71 to 74, 73 kind of deal. Uh, and then we moved over to Lake Cortez and, and Cortez golf course, which were finalized in 78 and 79. Now but, Cooper's yeah. now Cooper's <clears throat> Cooper's Cooper's big, big idea. Uh, okay. To, to have this development, but was he, was he a home builder? Was he, was he wanting to build homes in here? Was he just wanting to sell lots? What, what was the, what was the game plan there for him? You know, you asked the question that I should have been answering and, and that's, yeah. Cooper was a, was an entrepreneur obviously, and he knew how to get houses built and he made good money on houses, but he also realized it was a lot like the gold miner scenario that if you owned the building that the post office sat in, that was, that was a good profit income too. If you owned, uh, the, well, uh, where, where, uh, the Walmart, where the, uh, Walgreens is the village right. Hibachi, all that, yeah. all of that's Cooper. Cooper owns all that land. Oh, okay. Where Cranford sits, Cooper owns that land. So, but he was, he wanted to integrate it. And so he basically started a concrete company, which is still running today. <clears throat> and I've had somebody tell me that the concrete company was actually the most profitable part of anything. Uh, but they had a whole set of builders and crews so they could strategically do. And every time it came up for deer season, they let their guys go and paid them during deer season, which was unheard of at the time, because I want to paint the picture again. Now, some people think we're a little remote now. 50 years ago, this was nowhere. There was yeah. nothing here. Yeah, literal so, wilderness. Exactly. You didn't want your subs wandering off during, during winter time. Right. Yeah. So you, you made absolutely back. sure that they were available. Right. You know, uh, so he treated his subs really good, but they, they have uh, Cooper, Cooper communities, which is who own land. Now they had Cooper home. They had Cooper land development. They had uh, Cooper concrete and they had, there was one other I'm forgetting, but he made a whole myriad of these, but so your, the strategy was the strategy was to sell you, sell you a lot and then hope to persuade you to build on that lot. Exactly. But, but was, was it, was it, a country club ish thing? Was it a retirement thing? Was it in the beginning, in the beginning, one of the appeals was, is that it was a country club type thing. Okay. And that's where the DeSoto club really came in. And oh. <clears throat> even back in the nineties, they were pushing the country club aspect again, when they opened the Balboa golf course, which is a you know, 25,000 square foot building. That's virtually unused now, but that was at a more, <clears throat> pardon the term, a more social time. Yep. Okay. yep. And then after that, they went ahead and made the Granada. Uh, the, if anything that would look like a golf club, a, a, a country club, they kind of went ahead and did that. Uh, I take that back. And also in the process, because this is going to be past 1990, uh, mid 90s, late 90s, they were really pushing DeMonte, which is a fantastic yeah. area, but it's a, it's a beast in and of its own. Uh, but I want to go back real quick, <clears throat> just right back over there on Cortez road, just North of Cortez golf course, there's a poor soul lying in the dirt who will be there for eternity with people driving around him. You've heard you this story. Have I mentioned this? I don't know that you've told me this. Oh, okay. Well, well the audience the roads, hasn't heard it. So let's hear yeah, it again. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Many of the roads in the village make a horseshoe type. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of come in one side out the other. Well, right. Cortez does the same thing. And right at, at 12 o'clock of Cortez, there's some townhouses and you have a beautiful view of the right. 17th, 18th of all the ponds and everything. But there is a grave in the middle of the road. 
literally in the middle of the road. Now, I sent you some video the other day about if you go out that Cortez gate, that's the, the, uh, the middle fork of the Saline River, which is a protected uh, waterway where we get our water from. Yep. And, and that river had flowed so high and had risen so high, they couldn't get this guy who had died when what was, you know, just a farming community 50 or 70 years ago, whatever, they couldn't get him across the river to get him down to Jesseville to embalm him. So they buried him right there. Well, here's where a lot of interesting things come together. <clears throat> About 1978, Cortez is getting to be done. It's getting there. They're uh, developing Asilo and Felicidad and, and some of these other subdivisions around that area, many of which are still unoccupied that aren't near that uh, aren't in, inside the golf course. Oh, and one other di digression here. The first golf course was designed, and I'll remember his name, Alt, Tom Alt, but he was working with another company. And DeSoto is kind of a labyrinth, kind of fitted on top of itself where you have to kind of go in and out and go in and out. Uh, when they got to Cortez, they decided it would make a figure eight. And the purpose of the figure eight is you could sell homes on the inside and on the outside. It doubled your effective surface area of the golf course, right? You know, a genius idea. Yep. About 1977, 78, don't quote me on this. Mr. Cooper, who had been doing great here, his, his family lived on the lake down on this side. His mother lived on this side. They started a couple of churches here. It was really starting to take off. He got a phone call that said there was an enormous development in Northwest Arkansas just outside Bentonville <clears throat> that was about to go belly up. And so he thought, you know, uh, this may be a bird on the ground. I may need to go get this thing. Let's go see what we do. He went up to Bentonville, figured out where, where Bella Vista was going to be. They, they figured out where they could immediately put two golf courses. Now, the village is 26,064 acres, okay, roughly 41 square miles. But we are the largest singularly gated community in the world. There are other places that have more gates and, and smaller cells. But as far as one place, one time, one set of gates, where that's it. Well, he got to Bentonville and looked around and went, why would I put up a gate? Because there's nobody here, right? And number two, he actually built it on either side of Interstate 49. So as you're driving through, one side is one golf course, one side's the other. And he started developing Bella Vista. He said, what does this have to do with the grave on Cortez? Seems as if the fine folks here in Hot Springs Village were looking around and going, you know, we're going to finish this Cortez road, but there's this dead guy in the middle of the road where we're supposed to put things. So they pull out the fax machine. spins up the drum you younger kids won't know what we're talking about will they randy no 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 they spin up the drum they fax it and they said you know this is the plot this is the plot these are the people that we found that we believe are related to this guy can we get a release can we get it and they couldn't they couldn't find anybody that would claim this guy they were going to exhume him they were going to take him down and bury him at the, there's a cemetery just over the the river and they were going to you know re rededicate him there can't do it. So they literally built the road around him. And in villager style, in my opinion, in villager style, the women's club, garden club, and the men's garden club take care of him every year. He gets new fresh roses. He gets new fresh flowers. People come out and actually mind the, uh, the grave at Cortez. That's awesome. It's pretty interesting. Okay. Now I've got it. I, it it's, it's still on my mind. So Cooper is looking at this as kind of more of a fluent thing. I mean, he's courting, he's courting, I'm <clears> guessing <throat> he's courting affluent people to come here to, to come and 
relax and recreate and do whatever, you know, whatever they want to do. But I would assume that might include in the early days, it might include the desire to hunt. So could be. So was that, was that part of the, was that part of the sales pitch early on or no? Well, uh, yeah, if that's too minor of a point, then we can move. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a great point. It's a great point. And it really does need to be addressed. And actually I need to address the village security in just a moment. And I'll tie another story into that. Um, let me remind everybody that's watching that everybody that comes inside the village rides on a road that no taxpayers pay for. Zero, zero. We have over 900 children that will hop on buses and ride to either Jesseville or Fountain Lake every day from this establishment for this facility. They get all of our tax dollars. And besides educating our children, we get nothing. They don't pick up trash. They don't do police. They don't do fire. All of your POA dues cover everything you see, lake maintenance, you name it, everything comes out of our POA dues. Now, <clears throat> when you understand that, you also understand that it's, it's optional. For example, there used to be a sign up that said uh, handgun law enforced. Well, do you know why it said handgun law enforced? Because we didn't have to. This could yeah. have been the world's largest open carry if we wanted to. Th- this, could e- this could still, within legal laws or whatever, you, you know, this could be an open package container. It, could be a, it yeah. could be a million things. They do stock our ponds because typically the water is actually the property of Arkansas too. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew? Right. 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 Yeah. But, but part of the scenario is, is that Cooper figured out early on, they wanted to have control inside, but they would tell you, Oh, you want to go hunting, man, it's great hunting just down this way. And they're right. They're, they're correct. They're exactly correct. Uh, What you have to understand is, is that in the early seventies, you know, Cooper started what we see today, um, sands, the buildings outside the outbuildings or out parcels. But if you went this way, we went back east, you could go from here to Balboa and there wasn't anybody going to bother you because you're driving down a dirt road in the middle of nowhere and nobody knows if there's even going to be a subdivision. We don't even know if we're going to build it out. Okay. And as a POA, I'll remind you that if the village were to have tanked, Cooper could have gone, sorry. And there could have been massive, massive POA fees charged to the owners, to the property owners who are basically in a commune of sorts, you know, a financial commune that we've got to pull ourselves out of this ditch. And that has never happened. And do I understand correct? So this, so from the West gate to Balboa was the part that was really being sold. The rest had already been clear cut. It was being clear cut in those years. It hadn't even, they they kind of, when Cooper saw what had happened now, remember he started working with Dirks. And then right. he ended up working with Warehouser. Right. Well, Warehouser has a little shorter horizon than Dirks does. Dirks would come in and cut, and Mr. Dirks covers this in his book. They would selectively cut out the ones they wanted. And they didn't want only pine. They may have wanted some huge oaks or something like that, right. but they selectively cut it. When, when Warehouser came in, and they typically did this in the 90s, but and it's roughly from Ponce de Leon-ish okay. east. And, and that's where they had just simply made it a pine plantation and everything, every tree was a pine plantation. Not to say it's not beautiful Yeah. It, it, in the fall. It, it, it's not as pretty to me in the fall. Right. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's going on is, is that Cooper is managing uh, Cherokee village, 
they're growing Hot Springs Village and bringing people in as quick as they can. They're, and this is the one of the details I can't wait to share. And they're also developing Bella Vista. And at, at any point, this could have all collapsed, every part of it. But one of the scenarios was is that they had different towns that they marketed to, and they would bring people in for a seminar, and they would give you a seminar and say, here's what it looks like, and here's the slideshow, and we're going to show the video, and the plane flies over the golf course, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and you can come down for a visit, or you can buy today. That would be a great idea, right? Yeah. And they, at the end of it, the reason of the way they were able to get anybody there, virtually anybody there, is that they gave away a lot every every se seminar, every session. Oh. They would have a drawing and you would get a platted deeded property in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, and the $6 dues you were going to have to pay. Yeah. But uh, they gave that to you every, they would give those away every time. That's how they kind of built up that. And anyway, as, as things developed, they would also say, you know, you can hunt outside the village. You can fish here in the village. You can, you know, whatever. Well, imagine this, Randy. I mean, I'm sitting here on Lake DeSoto. The next lake down is Lake Cortez. Next lake down from that, a little differently oriented, is Lake Lago, which is our water supply that we get out of the middle fork of the Saline River. But at the time when they're building that, that lake, the Lake Lago, there's nobody within a couple of miles. Hey, Randy, I got a great idea. Why don't you and me go down and we'll go fishing at the uh, at the water supply? It was a completely different world 30 and 40 years ago because it, because it was a completely different world. We the, first, the first lake was? The first lake was DeSoto, where I'm sitting right now. And it comes out of Cedar Creek, and Cedar Creek runs on the north side of Lake uh, of uh, DeSoto Golf Course. So that it's got it's basically got a feeder, and then there's a bowl. There's Valina behind us, and there's Toledo on the other side, and there's probably there's a thousand acre bowl and it, it generates a lot of water in the last couple of days in particular, it generates yeah, a lot yeah, of water. You yeah. know, we've had monsoon for those of you that are listening that aren't aware of this part of the country, including Texas. Exactly. Here. What did you, I'm looking right now? I've got three and a half inches in the last 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we haven't had quite that, but yeah, we're, we're in the monsoon season, which yeah, we don't spring. have here in Texas, spring, but yeah. you have it well, more there. The first well, golf course was. The first golf course was DeSoto. And once again, it was kind of a labyrinth kind of on top of itself. Yeah. And they had all these acres. They just didn't know how to use them yet, you know, right. and they really did learn as they went. And, and I, I'll give you the statistics real quick that there's 284 subdivisions. Now there's uh 25% reserved in green space, not including golf courses, lakes, all that stuff. We talked about this the other day, as you drive down the main roads, you don't see any homes on the side because there's a green space buffer. It was actually modeled after Hilton Head, North Carolina or South Carolina, I believe. Yeah. Yep, yep. But it was actually, it was, it, they, you, it was a master plan community. It was a master plan community that you, you didn't really realize was like any place else. Cause you'd never been any place like that. You drove up a highway that was basically a, a modified logging road that went on up to, to Russellville but you turned in what definitely was a logging road into where people had spent millions of dollars and spent millions of dollars to get you there. And typically they would sell a lot between three and $5,000. They would finance it internally with Mr. Cooper. Oh, that's the, he had the Cooper finance. Duh. How did I forget yeah, that? Right. And, and then they usually would charge about 13% to 14% because they, you know, you talk about marketing to the affluent kind of, he was marketing to the, the new middle class. You People know, that wanted to be affluent. Exactly, exactly. And the one of the quotes that they attribute to Mr. Cooper is that he he read a review when he was in West Memphis 
that in within 500 miles of where he sat, you know, which is Nashville and St. Louis and Branson, Silverdale, you know, Little Rock, blah, 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 blah. Within 500 miles, somebody was retiring every 30 seconds. Uh-huh. And with that retiring, he made, he made two comments to that. He said, instead of buying a gold watch factory, I decided to make a place where people could live better in retirement than they did in their regular life. Pretty, I like that. I, I liked it too. I, I, I thought, and it played well, of course, because I mean, the, the bottom line is, Randy, you, you and me both, neither one of us sitting on either side of this microphone has 20 digits in the bank or whatever. That's right. We're, we're all upcoming middle class that want to achieve. We just want the chance to work. A story, a story many times tells a lot of other little stories about 90, you know, it would be, it would be in the early 2000s, early 2000s, 2001, 2002. There was a guy who was an attorney. He had bought a piece of property here in the village and the village now in, in 2000, you know, we're, we're building on out to the East end. We've got Balboa, we've got Ponce, they've opened Magellan. They're working on Isabella and, and, and planning uh, Granada. So, I mean, Mr. Alt who designed all these is really hopping. So it's, it's opening up, you know, you wouldn't call it a, a wilderness, you know, past Lake Lago. On the backside of Lake Lago, you know, you can stand up on Macero and look down on Lake Lago, and it's got the tremendous view of everything there. There's the dam, and that's our water supply, and I can tell you more stories about that too. But down behind that, if you stand from Macero and look down, you'll see there's a line of delineation going right across the dam and goes back that way toward Balboa, and this way goes, you know, back to the western end of the village. And you don't think of anything about a line of delineation except... That line of delineation is also a line of delineation of pine trees and cedars. And yeah, you follow me? Uh Well, said attorney who happened to be a POA member decided he wanted to go hunting in those 300 acres down behind there. He takes his rifle. He takes his bow. He parks out in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going to tell you how to get there, but he, he drives from there, hikes back out in. Next thing you know, villagers are complaining that there's gunshots being fired in the village. Okay. So for those of you who didn't see that, I waved my hands in the air like it was a crisis. Okay. And uh, the, 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 I'm going to watch my words very carefully here. Yeah, please do. The security officers came and they told the attorney, you can't hunt here. This is POA land. And he said, I'm a POA member. And they said, you're breaking the law. And he said, no, I'm breaking your rule. And they said, we're going to arrest you. And he said, you're not a deputy. All of the sudden, all of the sudden, the the profile of the village and the idea that, and it was kind of, it was kind of Barney Fife. And, and, you know, I mean, frankly, it was, we didn't need a lot of security there. For those of you that don't know, we went 39 years here in Hot Springs Village without one homicide, without one homicide. And the homicide it, it, it's sad, but it's the, uh, it was an elderly couple that uh, one had terrible dementia and uh, she got very mad at her husband. She thought he had been cheating or something and he hadn't, he was just a great guy. She actually threw an ashtray at him and unfortunately hit him in the head. He had a contusion, had a concussion and, and died, but that was, <clears throat> that was our first in 37 years. That was the first one we had had. So the issue I'm bringing up with the police force is, is in the next month, 
we rushed all of the security force to Saline County and we got them deputized. Yes, sir, your honor, I do. And we went to Garland County. We deputized them over there. So now they are true security officers and they're actually police officers hired by a private corporation run by somebody who was not elected. Just let that settle in a while. I, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And, and by the way, uh, I, you you will never get me to say a foul word about Ricky Middleton, who there's nothing to say bad about. He's our police chief, one of the greatest guys. Last year, about this time, we had a pandemic episode, and uh, the the news blasted pandemic stop short term rentals. <clears throat> I read A through J, which said unless they're medical, unless they're military, unless they're a journalist, unless they're all these other things. And I checked all my people out and confirmed, and we would still keep renting to those people because that was inside the law. But unfortunately, my neighbors hadn't read the law, so they called the police. And so I end up in front of Ricky Middleton going, Ricky, the law says, you know, here. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. So in a matter of one of my first meetings with him, in a matter of 20 minutes, not only had we resolved something, I had a new friend. I mean, we, yeah. he's a great small, uh, uh, small engine repair guy. He's fantastic. When I call him, I go, Hey, Ricky, I think I got some gas in my gas tank. I mean, in my, uh, my or some water in my gas tank. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, Dennis, there's a little release nipple underneath there. And just anyway, who calls their police chief for, for small engine repair help? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Well you do, Well, but, but it does bring up a point. And for people <laughs> like me <clears throat> who I'm not currently a resident there again, I'm a wannabe. But it, it's such a it's such an odd, it's such an odd hybrid-ish kind of governance, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I'm completely unfamiliar with. I mean, I'm in I'm in way over my head to even try to remotely under understand it. So it does bring up a point. So the PO the POA was established, you know, roughly a few years into the thing. Probably 73 to 74. Okay. And, and Cooper did that mm -hmm. to relieve himself of these other issues that he didn't want to be bothered with. So how did, how, I mean, is there anything that we should know about the establishment of that, <clears throat> how, how he set that up? I mean, because the charter, I mean, some, some of these things, I mean, they, they go back a long, long time. And it seems to me as an outsider, I mean, some of those things, yeah, they might should be revisited. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. I mean, it's up to it's up to the people that that have made an investment there. I've made an investment in renting from people like you short term. So I'm not I'm certainly not going to cast a verbal vote about it. But I mean, come on, let's face it. Something that was established 45 years ago might be subject to a, a bit of modification. It could, and and one of the pieces that I meant to bring up earlier, and by the way, to whomever is listening or watching, and <clears throat> sincerely thank you, we live in a headline society, and it causes a lot of confusion. If you're listening and watching right now, you want to hear the rest of the story or the deeper story, and I, I, A, applaud you, B, thank you, and I'm about to give you the rest of the story. The, the POA and, the, uh, and Cooper were, was a very symbiotic relationship until 2006. In 2006, Cooper said, we're not going to develop any more properties, although they still could. They could do that today. And they do not have to be uh, uh, aligned or they do not have to be touching the village for them to align. If they wanted to build something on the other side of the concrete plant, that's up to them. If they wanted to build something in Benton, they could do that. 
That, that's completely up to them. They are the developer. And, and once again, I give them kudos. Hey, I, I, I've never made a city in the middle of the national forest before. Good luck, right? Good, good, good on you. Um, that whole thing said, when in 2006, when there was that separation, when the POA basically had to kind of stand on its own two legs, it wasn't just the problem solver anymore. A lot of people said, oh my God, now we've got to market through the POA, which has been on and off again, failure and success and mixed and whatever. But the problem is, is that those bylaws and the charter that you're talking about was set up to be symbiotic. We were le we leaned on each other. Well, there's nobody here to lean on anymore. Okay. And that's what's been has if, if you at, at its core, if you look back on the last 10 years, 14 years of, of POA strife, the POA has, has had to try to identify itself as a is it a, is a resort marketing association? Is it just a POA for maintenance? Is yeah, it a, is it is it a growth environment? I'm sorry. Well, yeah, the question is that they're asking is what are we? Mm -hmm. And trying to answer that. Okay. So back up. So 2006, what exactly happened? Well, a couple of things. Number one, Cooper, which number one, and I'll say this out loud and they'll say the same thing. They were the very first people to fall on their own sword and go, whoops, that was us. We did that. And, and yes, they made mistakes that I, I can point them to you. There, there's misnamed roads. There's anyway, they made mistakes. Yeah. It's not a problem. Everybody makes mistakes. But Cooper was smart enough to know that in 2006, they were watching the residential home market just go nuts. And they were like, this is not sustainable. This is unfundamental. It's not based on fundamentals. We're out to try and save our own skin, to save everything. Okay. We're out. And when they backed out of home sales, which everybody was just stunned, they kept their commercial property in Little Rock. They own a lot of commercial property in Little Rock. I, I had the third largest IT company in the state. I paid them a big check every month because I was on Bowman and Markham in, down, in West Little Rock, downtown West Little Rock, you would say. And I paid them every day or every month. Uh, and they still own a tremendous amount of, of real estate there. But on the residential side, they were like, we're out. Now, we're by out. 2006, were they, were they, had they already been historically tapering off their construction inside the village? Yes and no. Uh, you got to understand 2006, they had just opened Granada, which was a gangbusters. Oh my God. And uh, I have pictures of, they grew in Granada for an entire year before they let anybody play golf on it. And we're and two years and we're two years before the big real estate. Oh yeah. Buckle oh yeah. 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 So 2006. they did, they, they could see the future and they saw where it was going and, and wise enough for them. Now I usually don't cover this and this is a big, big, big deal. The POA board, which let me back up one step by charter, by the original bylaws, is a volunteer group. We have people that pay thousands of dollars to be elected to be on the board, to take verbal abuse, to get nothing, not one dime. So, you know, I've, I've asked repeatedly, why don't we have a board of directors that, that gets paid? If you paid me and you wanted me on the board of directors, it's something I would entertain. And for people I'm, that don't understand, so to be on the board you are elected. You are yes. in essence, you are an elected official to be a mm -hmm. board member. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the board appoints hires, whatever you want to use the word, the general manager or who was the CEO or the, the leader. So the, the POA has, has established this policy that, that we're going to set over here and here will be the leader of the POA and here will be all the ordinance under them. And we tell them what to do. We, we don't try and go more and go micromanage everybody down the food chain. Yeah which has been a problem here and there, but 
I'm not going to. Well, and as, go as, as you know, and I'll tell the audience, I do, I do a considerable amount of work with city government here in the state of Texas. And the analogy that I would make, correct me if I'm wrong, just to make sure that I've got a clear picture. So here in Texas, you know, you, you've got a, a mayor who's elected, but who also sits on a board, which in essence is a city council, seven people, four votes, got to have four votes, obviously, to get anything done. Everybody, four people have to agree. They are all elected officials. They hire a city manager. City manager is not an elected official. City manager is not making policy. City manager is basically carrying out what the board wants or the council wants. The council doesn't really get involved in the nitty-gritty details of how it's getting done. It's up to that city manager who's also got a legal team, and they're going to do everything by the law, and they're, they're carrying forth the marching orders of the city council similar different could could not be more accurate could not be more accurate and that is exactly the case except many times the the board in a larger city may be a a paid position oh correct and 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 let me go back And, and obviously the the general manager would be but let me go back we have never never ever in 50 coming on 51 years we have never had a paid director because cooper wrote that initially into the charter that you can't be paid and listen, 25 years ago in the middle 90s, when we had the big parachute, golden parachute boom and whatever, they were still meeting and roughly rubber stamping whatever Cooper asked. So it didn't take three hours a month. Yeah. Now there's five meetings a week. And right. now you've got to, you know, you, we're trying to work with the marketing. We're trying, we, we've turned, we've turned the POA into a different beast or we're trying to. And as you know, Randy, I mean, you know, city government, yep. which it effectively is, that's a hard thing to change. Yeah, well, it's turning a battleship. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, literally is. But as Cooper was building in 2006, they kind of stepped back and said, we're not going to do this anymore. Okay. Uh, In 2004, and let me back up, Cooper quit building properties in the late, they quit platting out new properties, probably in 2004, 2005. And Eric Estrada. Yeah. Yeah, well, NRPI, but, and, and I think it's the Fowler brothers. There's a couple of brothers that actually did this, but they came in and they called themselves redevelopers. Yeah. And the POA at that time had 700, 700 lots that they could not get rid of. We now have 3,800. Yeah, but we're selling those as fast as we can. But my point being, at the time, it was, oh, Lord, what are we going to do with these 700 lots? And they sold them to NRPI out of California, out of Irvine, California. And they came in, did commercials, remarketed the area. They called themselves redevelopers. And once again, they flew you in for free. They put you up at the Camelot in Little Rock. They brought you down on a bus and pulled down the shades. And you watched the movie all the way down. And when you got here, they said, isn't this glorious? Well, it ought to be. You were looking at the lampshade for the last five hours or the last hour, right? Uh, And a lot of people bought. A lot of people bought. Because at that time, there was always that that disparity in your mind, you know, and the number one question, you know, Randy, what would this, what would this, this lot cost you in Atlanta? You're not in Atlanta, you know, but they would sell them and they kept doing it. Well, Cooper, I mean, uh, NRPI started doing the same thing. They bought the first 500 lots. uh, I'm sorry. They bought the 700 lots for $500 a piece and a year's suspension of dues, which comes out to about $600, $650 an acre. Yeah. Let that sink in. 
And as I told the, the when I was on, a, on another board at that time, a, a smaller board, and, and I said, you know, you guys didn't offer me that deal. And they were like, well, you, you weren't going to redevelop us, you know? Yeah. Well said that that's a good now, point. Now was the whole place, was the whole place platted at this point? So exactly. by the time you get and, and to 2004, the whole place is platted. It's platted and it's run by another developer. So if NRPI had bought 500 lots that were all contiguous and they wanted to turn it into amusement park, they couldn't have because Cooper would have to rubber stamp that, that they would have to replat everything. Yeah. And then Cooper would have to rubber stamp and sign off on that. Well, if Cooper didn't want to do that, or if there wasn't enough money in it, you know, didn't do I, it. I can't say it. I blame them. Right. So they called themselves a redeveloper. I, I think a, res, a lot reseller would probably have been a better term. Yeah, uh, they did a, the, at the moment. They, as I said in a blog this last week, they blew up the market. Uh, people that had had interior lots on an unpaved road in the middle of nowhere uh, that were trying to sell theirs for a thousand were getting letters in the mail that said, "We'll buy your lot for eight thousand dollars," and they were like, "Yes, yes, this is what we're looking for." And about the time they started buying that, you know, the end was near. Right. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to come back, there was something I meant to mention. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 2006 POA board members. Um, <clears throat> not too much after that, Cooper came in after they had left, per se, actively. And they came to the board after as the crisis was coming down on everybody. And they said, you know, you owe us these funds. And, and it would be like excess funds or water funds, or we built this and you didn't reimburse us. And, and we owe you. And, and so here's what we propose. We propose that we will do a swap of these owed funds and we will give you these properties in the village. We'll give these to the POA and you will agree to pave all the roads we haven't paved and run the utilities, water, power, sewer lights, cable, everything to those facilities we haven't paved yet in lieu of this. Now, I don't know if you realize what a Faustian bargain that could or could not have been. Uh, Jeff, a friend of mine, was on the board at that time, and his comment was, we did not know if they were going to survive another month. So a swap Versus a bankruptcy that leaves us all going, well, I thought you owned that piece of land. Well, no, I, I want to I make my driveway wider, and now I, can't, I don't have a developer to talk to. I mean, at, in a way, it made sense. Sure. But there's about 20, 22 miles of the village, of the 500 miles of the village, uh, there's about 20 to 22 miles that have not been paved, and the POA is responsible for that, too. So I wanted to share how that came about and how we got to that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, listen, the, the place, I mean, given that story and that background, you know, it's even more remarkable, isn't it? it I mean, you know, that, that, that it is today, that it is today. I don't know if it's what Cooper envisioned or not, but you know, it, it's, it's a success for sure. I mean, we, yeah. we had an interview, uh, with Greg who came from Dallas and he said it in that interview and it, it of course resonated with me because that's currently where I'm sitting in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And it's, it's the closest drive to not see a place that looks like Texas. Uh, you know, but given everything that now the, the village is and even what it hopes to become. Yeah. I mean, man, I mean, what is it? What a success because I, I so you know, love the place. Well, you know what, if you don't love the place, if you even hate the place, 
you still have to respect the people and the time and the energy and the, the, the estimation, and Mr. Dirks covers this in his book, it's estimated that Cooper put in over $1.2 billion worth of infrastructure, housing, roads, everything in here, okay? Uh, you you got to admire that. I mean, really. And once again, this place was nowhere. And I tell you what, there's a point we're skipping over because I'm trying to envision the the residents that are watching this or listening to this and yes. the non-residents. That's right. And let's cover an issue real quick. Right now, and it may change a little, but it won't change a lot anytime soon. But right now, a POA due, a, an assessment is the tip, technical name for what your POA dues are. Um, <clears throat> a POA in, in Dallas may be several hundred a month, a couple hundred a month. Oh yeah. I would say at a minimum, if you're in a community, you know, that's op that operates like that. Yeah. We, our dues are $39 a month that feeds the police, the fire department, the ambulance, the roads, the sewer, the water, the lights, the, you name it. Now that said, if you own a home that has a water meter, what home wouldn't have a water meter, it's $69. Either way, I'm going to repeat, I'm going to give a number that I've shared a dozen times, Randy, and I know you've probably heard it outside the West gate is 88% of the national crime rate, which is okay. That's not bad. Outside the East Gate, about 18 miles away, um, is 86% of the national crime rate. Where I'm sitting right now is 13.2% of the national crime rate. That's something like four standard deviations. If you know anything about math, it, it's, it's virtually, anyway, I don't need to sell it, Randy. You, you know the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. do I lock my doors? It's not all intents and purposes. Well, uh, Sheriff Middleton says we have every crime that they have in a major city. We just don't have as many of them. Yeah. And I might would even argue with that, but he's an expert. <laughs> so he would probably know better yeah. than me. He has a point. You, you have a point. You have well, a point. I mean, you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to have drugs and, and, and all the consequences that go along with that anywhere, anywhere that you've got any group of people, large, large or small, but it's a fantastic place. Uh, I love it. So, which was the genesis of, of this whole podcast, because I just really wanted to shine a light on it. I really wanted to learn more about it, the history and I'm a history buff. So the history is important. If you weren't into this, then, well, that's what podcasts are for. You can hit stop, you know, or you can fast forward, but I'm sure there's other details that we, that we can come back to, uh, in, in future episodes and, I want to put a shout out to the audience and thank you. We're really early on Dennis and I are, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find our rhythm and, uh, and work out what few kinks we've got. We on every major podcast platform there is, and frankly, some that are way not major, uh, but whatever your favorite podcast catcher is, we're there. Uh, the website is hsvinsideout.com. Hot Springs village inside takes you to the same, the same place. Uh, we're going to try to populate, the website, we're currently moving our hosting as we're recording this. By the time you watch this or listen to this, we'll have already gotten that done. So we're going to try to populate it with even non-podcast things, articles and so forth. Dennis will be putting some stuff. He's the resident expert here. I appreciate the, the history lesson. I appreciate, I appreciate what the predecessors have done. Take us out, but do it by giving us just some of the bullet point features of the place for people that sure. may be sure, unfamiliar, sure. some, some of the key stats about the place. Now that we know that it was a place that was just dirt road and a bunch of trees. It really was. And, and Randy, once again, I have to tell you, thanks, you know, as a, as a techie, 
many of the things you've been doing for this podcast show, I usually am burdened with, and thank you, Jesus, that Randy is taking care of such things. Uh, it, it allows me the time to, to pontificate about, about uh, lakes and, and mailings and such. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll tell you what, I, 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 can, I love to quote in the stats, and I'm good with the stats. That's not a big deal. But the stats, as you know, Randy, just don't do it justice. It really doesn't. 26,000 acres, 26,063 acres, 284 subdivisions, nine uh, golf courses, 11 lakes, um, everything, uh, every property, every property touches or is adjacent to is covered by green space. There's green space everywhere intentionally just for that. Um, you know, and, and I think I might've mentioned this in one of our other podcasts. A lot of times we name places rolling Oaks. Well, that's what was there before we bulldozed it flat and put in sewer systems. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's not how the village is. It's, it's very pristine, very wood-like. Uh, if you're interested in a wooded area, this is the place. Uh, the typical lot, uh, an interior lot inside the village probably would go for $4,000 these days. Uh, and you can have the, and I call it the I want to be left alone lot, uh, where you can be at the end of the road, as you talked about staying at one of those, Randy, mm -hmm. where um, I love Abraham Lincoln's quote. He said he didn't mind having neighbors as long as he couldn't see the fire smoke from their fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there are a lot of alone places here in the village that, that you just you, you don't know unless you pull them up on a map and look at it. And every lot, every lot in there. Correct. me. Every, if lot. every lot is buildable. Every lot. Well, man, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, this is a common misconception. Uh, the, the, Mr. Cooper, an attorney, wasn't too prone to being uh, being sued. He didn't care much for that. So uh, one of the things he would do is, is that when uh, uh, Jeff, my business partner, has a lot that is 5.3 acres. I'm not even going to tell you where we're at, but it's 5.3 acres. You know how many goats you could get on 5.3 acres? You know how many homes you can get on 5.3 years? A lot. One. Yeah, no, one. Right. One. Because what he did was, is that, you know, why, why do you make it five acres instead of one acre? Why? Because there's only one good home site. So when people say, oh, you've got one of those unbuildable lots, there's no such thing. In the village, there is no such thing. Okay. Well, see, I didn't know that. So the 5.3 is because there's only one real ideal place to build a house on there. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And okay, many well, times there's. Well, because people, people, are, people are still arguing about, you know, well, how come I got a third of an acre and they've got five point and they're paying the same. Okay. Well, I get it. That makes sense. I didn't know that. I had a group of investors come in, in 2007 and they flew in from uh, Atlanta. They had been on an overnight. They were all completely worn out and they wanted me to show them lots literally that were right across the street from the POA. And I said, okay. And they were like, yeah, we'll take like 10 or 12 of them. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you know, just line them up and we'll just take like this street. No, no, this street sold 30 years ago. And, and there may be, there might be three or four properties on these 12 that are available. And they envisioned that everything was square, you know, just, just like it was right. in Florida. Right. Yep. X, Y, 80 foot, 120, eight yeah. foot, 120. Yeah. Eight foot. And I'm like, there, there's probably no two lots in the village that are like that. Uh, and and we're diving deep. We're going really deep. Let me let me tell you the inside here. A lot of complaints have been that when they were building the west side, a third acre lot seemed normal. That was what you would get in a subdivision, right? right. But most subdivisions were square and X by Y, right? Yep. Well, <clears throat> as we started building out to the middle center and particular, even on the east, 
Cooper was still using some of those same criteria for the, for the sizes. Well, now if you want to build a larger house and you want a double garage or even a triple garage, you end up having to build an L on that half acre because you can't get it on a third acre yeah. and you can't have a drive through. Anyway, it, it, it made for complicated. It, it made for a lot of houses that the front fascia had a garage door. Right. Interesting. And if that looked cookie cutter to you, it's because it's cookie cutter. Right. Yeah. But that was one. That's one of the complaints they've been having. Uh, Jeff and I have been buying doubles and even triples. And you can call Cooper and recombine those back together. You would have three payments or, you know, whatever. Yeah, right, right. But the bottom line is, is that you could have contiguous land, but those are so rare these days. I mean, 32,000 home sites, uh, 32,283 home sites, uh, 19% occupied roughly throughout the entire village, about 80% vacant. And that's one of the things. It's quiet at night, Randy. I mean, it is quiet as a tomb, isn't it? Yep. Uh, and one of the things that I, I had to turn around because the lighting just wouldn't support it. But when we're looking back over the lake, which is that way, uh, just over that other side and, and on the other side, there is part of the national forest, 1.7 million acres and part of the 225,000 wilderness acres. And it's dark. I mean, it's profoundly dark. And on late summer evenings, you see the the uh, Magellanic cloud, which basically is the 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 uh, solar system on edge. And there are billions of stars, billions. And you say, well, I never saw that before. You were never in the woods in the dark without light yeah, pollution. Exactly. You know, uh, it's a, it's a pristine place in many ways. And Randy, I cannot tell you, thank you enough. Seriously. I, I appreciate, uh, I per personally, um, I'm not going to mention any names, but I had a very, very prominent realtor. I talked to yesterday, tell me that she saw what we were doing it was improving the name and the reputation of the village. And she really appreciated it. She had had people calling and asking about it. There's good. a compliment. Yeah, There's a compliment, good. my friend. Well, that's what, that's what we hope to do. Again, the website is hsvinsideout.com. Our tagline, I guess, tells you everything you need to know. It's a place or it's a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Uh, Dennis is a, he's a good steward and a, kind of a custodian in resident. Uh, I'm just a guy in Texas who hopes to get there one day and spend some time there. So I love it. Appreciate you saying yes to the podcast. I hope you got something out of it. The listeners, if you don't subscribe yet to the podcast, please do that. And the greatest thing that you can do for us is tell a friend about it. I'm going to give you the last words, Dennis, take us out. I tell you what, uh, I'm going to tell you that. Boy, I didn't see this one coming. It's all right. Hmm. Yeah, I'm fine. I just didn't see it coming. <clears throat> I think that <clears throat> I think that everybody, everybody ought to have something they're appreciative for. <clears throat> if you if you don't think you have enough things in your life, it's because you're not thankful for the things you do have. Amen. Yeah. And we literally, literally, and I apologize for the crackle in my voice, but we literally thank Jesus. We thank the Lord above that we get to live in a place like this <clears throat> because there's not, it's not that there's no troubles and there's no stress and strife and there's no crime. And of course there is that's everywhere. But when everybody you talk to is a nice person, you come out and you've had a bad day or you've been struggling with something at work or struggling with something in your family. And you come out and your neighbor goes, Hey boy, I love those gardenias. It looks really beautiful. Boy, your yard's really pretty this year. That noise, Randy, that yeah. noise.
Yeah. Well, that's been my best description of the whole thing. Yeah. So if you want to play, yeah, the minute I get in the car and head that way, I'm exhaling. Then the minute I pull through the gate, I'm exhaling again. And the minute I pull into wherever it is, we're staying. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's just a, it's a big exhale. And if you're looking for some exhale time like that and people say, well, I don't know that we can afford to move and we can't change our life. That's fine. Just come visit. Uh, there's a guy on uh, Gold Rush, an old guy named Fred Hurt, who has a boot. He's got a boot six inches higher on one side than the other. He's a tough old Henri Cuss. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And he said something that just hit me right between the eyes during the pandemic. And he said, I'm 83 and I'm still diving in this cold water in Alaska. I'm still diving and I'm making great memories. Because at my age, that's all you've got. Yep. And I thought, yep, it is. I mean, and that's why I'm saying, please just come visit. If you need a respite, if you need a decompression zone, we're the place. And the footer footer of the website is is an encouragement for those of you that haven't visited, those of you that have and want to keep visiting, to go to Airbnb, go to VRBO, just plug in Hot Springs Village. Village. Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. And I mean, there are some great places in there that are affordable for any budget. There are places like Dennis has on the lake that are also ridiculously affordable. Um, I do some, I do some, a few event things every now and again, and did a deal with a chain hotel here in Dallas, nothing special, just a regular run of the mill, kind of off the highway hotel, continental breakfast, you know, a hundred bucks a night. You can go to hot Springs village and spend a hundred bucks, a little North, a little South. And I mean, trust me, it's money. It's money, money. Well spent a hundred bucks will get you a house on the lake. Yeah, yeah. it really will. And then that's no exaggeration. And people are like, you got to be crazy. I'm like, no, no. I know a place is $75 a night on the uh, golf course. So, and by the way, if we're, while we're plugging, if you don't mind, ddvillageprop.com dd as in dennis and diana myself and my lovely wife villageprop.com we have four airbnb rentals we are booked out what is this this is june we're nearly completely booked through september but all our units are lakefront all our units we have hot tubs all our units have kayaks for your use all our units are pet friendly and on on this same lake you can see why we are booked out till september yeah but you can also see a live webcam too Oh yeah. DDTheVillageProp.com is the late cam. I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. We had a little trouble dismounting today, but it's okay. It's all good. Cause we love the place so much and I hope it came through to you. All right. Thanks Dennis. See you next thanks, time. Randy. Good seeing you, bud. Thanks for listening to another episode of hot Springs village inside out a podcast where hot Springs village, Arkansas is the star Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.